I'm looking for my wife. Wait. This is where it has to happen, and this is where it has to happen. I'm not letting you get rid of me. How about that? This used to be my specialty. You know, I was good in the living room. They send me in there, and I'd do it alone. And now I just... Tonight, our little project, our company, had a very big night. A very, very big night. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't nearly close to being in the same vicinity as complete. Because I couldn't share it with you. I couldn't hear your voice. I wouldn't laugh about it with you. I miss, I miss my wife. We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. I'm not just has You had me at hello. You had me at hello. Seeing the movie Jerry Maguire, let me see your hands. Not as many as I thought. I thought more people had seen that. Okay, all right. Uh, I love the little line, you complete me. Except for it's just not true. <laughs> at all. At all, at all. Okay? So you take two halves, and what you get when you take two halves, you think you get a whole. No, in marriage you get hell. It's that's what happens, all right? So I, we just get there really fast. If you're new to Southridge, just hang with me. Buckle up. We're in a series entitled From This Day Forward. Because if you look at yourself as incomplete and you're thinking another person can fix you, that is the beginning of all your, of all your marital issues right there. That you're thinking that another person can complete you. And that is the farthest thing from what God puts in his word, this little book we call the Bible, which at Southridge we believe is 
life to us, that it's everything we need is found in this little book. This is what we go to. And God in his word has a lot to say about marriage. Matter of fact, if you're not familiar with the Bible, you can open it up to the first book. It's the book of Genesis. It starts out with a wedding. You can go to the very last book, which is the book of Revelation, and Revelation ends with a wedding. So all throughout the Bible, God cares very much about marriage, relationships, dating, sex. He cares about all of it. Why? Because he created it. And so we're in a series where we're diving into this and we're looking at a book entitled Hosea. It's a minor prophet. It's in the Old Testament and it's a pretty nitty gritty story. It's a story about a pastor who marries a prostitute. Now you need to understand something. This was not scandalous because he was being led by God to marry her. And so we're seeing that this is an uncomfortable story, but we're seeing that relationships can be uncomfortable. And you know why relationships can be uncomfortable? And this is it right here, because you married the wrong person. And you're like, I could have told you that. I mean, yeah, that, that was known. That was known. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ladies figure this out a long time before the guys do. The ladies are like, yeah, it took me about a week to figure out this is not who I thought I was marrying. Because that's the reality of it. The reality is you and I married the wrong person. Why? Because we were designed by God, but we were disfigured by sin. You and I were designed by God, but we're disfigured by sin. And sin takes this perfect image, this perfect union, this perfect thing that God wants, and sin corrupted it. And so we think, okay, to fix it, I need a person. And we all have that friend, or we've at times been that person that we've hopped from relationship to relationship, thinking this person will complete me, this person will make me happy, this person will satisfy me, and if they don't, then guess what? I'm going to take all my things, pack up my bags, and go to the next relationship. And that's why we see divorce on this rise that we see it. Now, some people would say, no, no, divorce is on the decline. And you'd be true because now more and more people cohabitate and they don't want to get married. Because I think if we're not going to make it past year five, then why should we go through all the legal paperwork and all the money that it's going to cost us? So let's just cohabitate. And, you know, after a while, if we kind of make it, then then we'll do this thing right. Then we'll get hitched. But but right now, let's just not invest too much because you're the wrong person. Now touch your neighbor and say, you're the, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) We're all going to need therapy this week. You're like, thanks pastor. Thank you a lot. That's not what I needed this morning. Because when it comes down to it, Jesus said this in Ephesians 5. He said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. The two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. Marriage, relationships, dating, sex. It's a mystery. And here's the thing about that word mystery. It means that it's hidden. But here's the great part. What God is saying, I'm not trying to hide it from you. It's actually, it's a mystery that God says, I want to reveal to you. Here's the truth you need to understand. God invented marriage. He created it. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It can be better than you could possibly imagine it could ever be if you would simply say, God, I know that you designed this thing. I know that sin has disfigured this. And so, God, I need you to reveal to me the mystery on how to make this work. And there's three types of people in this room this morning. First of all, we'll put it up on the screen. There are people that are seeking marriage. 
You're like, yep, that's me. That's where I find myself this morning. I am seeking marriage. Now, if you are married, don't, that's not you. Just, that's, that's not you, okay? So you, you take and say, no, no, that, that is not me, okay? But there are those here, and you're saying, I'm single, I'm dating, and I'm trying to get to that point. Now, there's a second group of people, and this is you, your surviving marriage. You say, yep, that's where I'm at. I got married. I thought this was going to be great. I thought he was going to complete me. I thought she was going to complete me. I thought we were just going to have this awesome relationship. I thought we were going to be so intimate. I thought we were just going to be so close. I thought we were just going to have the, 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 I thought we were soulmates. And now you've gone from seeking marriage to surviving marriage. And then there's a third group and you're trying to save your marriage. You're trying to save it. And so that's who I'm talking to this morning. That hits all of us. And to tell you the truth, I've just clicked over nine years of marriage. I've been at all three of these stages. All three. None of these stages hit me by surprise. All of these stages I've gone through in nine years. They say if you can make it to about year 10 in your relationship, your relationship is now really set to go to the next level. Because the first five years, you're in a little competition with somebody else. Did you know that? You say, what do you mean a competition? I call it the couple's color competition. You say, what do you mean? You see, you've got her, and, and you know, we're going to use pink just because it's representative of, of the girl. And here's the thing. When it comes to men, the woman that you married, or men, the woman that you're dating, she doesn't see things the way you see things. She sees them very differently. You see, men, we see everything through blue. She sees everything through pink. So she has pink glasses. She has pink hearing aids. She has a pink bullhorn that she talks through. But guys, for everything for us is blue. Like, like for instance, help me out. When she says, I have nothing to wear, what is she actually saying? I have nothing new to wear. And all of her girlfriends and all the friends are like, well, I have nothing to wear either. Let's go shopping. Now, when a guy says that, when a guy says, I have nothing to wear, he needs to do laundry because he's, all his clothes are dirty. All right. That, that's how that one works. So it's, it, it's totally true, but it's so different how we are. We see things differently. We hear things. We say things differently. And yet we come into the relationship thinking it's blue versus pink. And we have this competition between the colors. And this morning, I'm praying, I'm asking God to do a great work in your heart because the truth that I want to share to you, I think, can totally, radically transform your relationship. Now, if you don't believe me, just sit tight for 30 minutes because I believe in 30 minutes, the truth that you're going to hear will forever change your relationship. You say, that's a tall order. That's a big promise. Yes, and I wouldn't have said it if I didn't believe it from God's word. Here's what we're going to look at. Let's go to Hosea chapter number five or chapter three. We're going to read five verses together. Okay. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It'll be up on the screen as we look at the word of God this morning. Are you ready to hear from God? Give me a big yes or amen. If you're ready to hear from God. All right. Excellent. We are awake. We are alert. Here we go. Let's go to verse number one. The Bible says, then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another and is committing adultery. Wow. Wow. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. It just gets to it. Because today, if you were to say to your girlfriends, my man is cheating on me, do you know what your girlfriends would tell you? 
ditch him? Do you have a frying pan that you can beat him over his head with? Do, what, what do you have? And, or if you, the guys went to somebody else and said, hey, I, 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 think, I think, you know, that, that new trainer at the gym, I think uh, he and her, and the guys would be like, you know, like, go meet him in the back parking lot. We'll gang up on him. We will mess him up. He, he won't ever get near to her. And instead, you see God saying to Hosea, this preacher, Hey, this woman's been unfaithful, and God says to him, hey, go love her again. Now, the word love in the Greek, you've got three ways to look at the word love. In Greek, there is phileo, which is brotherly love. It's where we get Philadelphia. Thank God Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots. Man, that was awesome. Praise God for that. We just, just stop and just give him a moment. I mean, just thank you, Lord. I mean, it's about time, you know. And if you're a Pats fan, you're at the wrong church, man. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Welcome. Welcome. Not really, but welcome. And, uh, but the city of Pennsylvania is, or the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's where we get phileo. And uh, here's the thing. If, women, you're in a relationship with a guy or you want to be in a relationship with a guy, just understand that's where men start with phileo. Because when we want to hang out with another guy, it's like, hey, man, you want to hang out? You want to watch a game? You want to go fishing? Let's go hang out. It's, it's phileo. And a lot of times girls are thinking, well, it's, it's different. He's just eros. And eros would be the more sexual in nature. And guys don't jump there. We get there fast, but we don't start there. Okay? We can get there real fast, a lot faster than ladies. And then you also have agape love, which is this unconditional love. Now, here we're in the Old Testament, which is in Hebrew. Old Testament doesn't have the three parts to it. But when you look at this word love, what God is saying, the type of love God is saying, God is saying, hey, go consummate this marriage again. Go love her in an eros way. Go love her deeply. Go, don't just say, okay, you have to do this. I mean, God is saying, hey, really step back into this relationship. Even though she's committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. Now, notice if you would, verse number two, here's what the scripture says. It says, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor have any man. So too will I be towards you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days with king or prince, without a sacrifice or sacred pillar, without an ephod or a teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. And David their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Here we see the couples. The way they think, the way they behave is very different. The way you see each other is very different. Now, what a lot of couples do is they get into marriage and they think I can change him or I can fix her. And that's kind of what happens in a relationship. If you're looking at that other person to complete you, if you're looking at that other person to complete you, you've automatically set the relationship up for adversarial. Okay. Just, just mark it down right now. If you're always in pink mode, ladies, and he's always in blue mode, you've set the relationship up to fail. And you're like, why do we always argue? Why do we always fight? Why do we always struggle with these things? And it's because the way we perceive things, the way we hear things, the way we talk, we just don't even, even know. Like a woman, she'll say, you know, she'll work really hard and make a meal and she'll sit down. She starts eating. She's like, this is the worst meal I've ever eaten. And it's, the guy just is like trying to be comforting, trying to be helpful, says, no, it's not. Which a guy can't win at that point. Like, and then she takes it. Oh, so you're saying I've cooked worse. So that, that, that's what you meant by no, it's not. And the guy's like, I can't win. So ladies, if you wonder why the guy just goes silent, he's like, it's better to be quiet and shut up. Like you get mad at me, but not as mad because I can't say the right thing. Because why? It's blue versus pink. 
And so we've got this adversarial. It's the color competition is really what it is. And you just feel like, I can't win. This color competition is just going. And it'll go on for year after year after year after year. And you would think after year you would kind of figure things out. But because we're not aware that we see everything, we hear everything in blue or pink, we don't understand that there's this competition going on. And so you could see for Hosea and Gomer, this woman, this poor, poor woman whose name is Gomer. I mean, that's just, just, just baby names. People don't just love your children. Give them a good name. Okay. And so, but Gomer, she is feeling distant from Hosea. So she goes back to a lifestyle that she's known before that lifestyle is prostitution. Now she's gotten to a point in scripture that it tells her literally she's in sex trafficking where now Hosea is having to buy her back. Now the Bible says he spent 15 shekels of silver, and then he sold some barley and ephod and that stuff. If you add the value of those two items together, it's 30 pieces of silver. You say, why is that significant? First and foremost, 30 pieces of silver is exactly the amount Judas betrayed Jesus for. 30 pieces of silver. Okay? Now, secondly, it was the price of a common slave. The third part of it is the fact that a man would have to go back and buy his wife. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. That all the times we've ran, we've done our own thing, but God steps back into the picture. You see here, you and I, we will constantly struggle between blue and pink, blue and pink, and be frustrated. And I can't tell you all the times where my wife and I, we've gotten into big arguments, little arguments over the simplest things, the smallest things. And I've told you how they start. And last week we talked about what are some things that you can say. Now I'm really curious how many of you, you use some of the phrases that we gave last week. I just want to see some of the hands. Excellent. We got two people. That's so not encouraging. Wow. Thanks for not listening, man. Uh, really? I, I know we're in a church and we don't like to raise our hands. So we just kind of like grunt. How many of you leaned in last week? It was hard, but you leaned in, you listened and you're like, I'm going to lock eyes. I'm going to listen and I'm going to love deep. That was just you. One of the things that I was working on was they tell me more. How many use that phrase this week? Tell me more. It works, doesn't it? It's an amazing phrase. You want somebody to just open up to you, just lock eyes and say, tell me more. Uh, Many people are amazed by Oprah. She's just a phenomenal woman, just amazing person. Did you know one of her secrets is the fact that she simply just locks eyes with somebody and she just asks them great questions and then they end up just loving her because who wouldn't want to love somebody who's interested in you? That's incredible. So guys, I know it's hard to turn off SportsCenter. I know it's hard to put down the phone, but simply to say, you know what? I'm just going to lock eyes. I'm going to engage. And so you're all of a sudden, you're saying, hey, we can have this color competition or I can change it. So, but let's look at the state of our union. Marriage is a union. So let's look at it. Why does it seem like today when people or culture talks about getting married or getting in a relationship, they say, do I stay single and lonely? Because that's where a lot of singles feel, single and lonely. Or do I get married and be bored? Because here's an interesting thing. I really want you to come back next week because the message title is sex experiment. Okay? Do not bring your children in. Okay? Just, just letting you know. Um, but next week, sex experiment. Why? Because before you get married... Satan's one goal is for you to just have sex with that person before you get married. That's just, he just gets there. Now, after you get married, he does everything possible to keep you from having sex. That's just his goal. And some of you are married are like, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. 
And so we're going to look at this next week. So do not miss next week because I believe it'll speak to us in a powerful way how important it is. So the state of our union is this. See, sometimes we get into this relationship where we're like, how are we going to do this? Because marriage is about protection and procreation. Okay, that's how God intended it, okay? Marriage is about protection and procreation. Now, procreation, God did intend for there to be pleasure, but now culture has shifted marriage. That marriage is all about my preferences and my pleasure. Okay, do you see the subtle shift? It started out, God said, hey, marriage is this beautiful gift, it's this wonderful thing, and it's about protection and procreation. But our culture today says, no, it's about preferences and pleasure. So since it's about my preferences and my pleasure, then all of a sudden, if she doesn't meet my needs, and this is what we do. Sometimes there's guys in the room, they're like, I'm looking for the Christian uh, Victoria's Secrets model that works in rich kids. That's, that's who I want to be with. Yeah, no duh. Okay. And it's just kind of, we set ourselves up with these high expectations and it's like, and then the girl is like, man, I just really want a man, but I just want him to have the empathy of a woman. I just, that's what I want. I want this, this currency of empathy. And there really is a currency of empathy and guys, we're not wired for it. Are we? We're wired to fix. We're wired with, you know, ladies, you don't see it, but every man here has a tool belt on. You don't see it, but it's always there. So you come back And you're like, man, my boss really laid into me. And you're like, oh, really? You need me to call somebody? You need me to do something? And then she's like, don't. Just don't. Why? Because you're reaching into your tool bag like, I can fix this. Fix it, Felix. Here I am. But here's the thing. She is not a person. She is is not a person to fix or a problem to fix. She's a person to feel. Now, when I talk about feel, all the guys are like, yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, that sounds great. No, 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 no. She wants you to feel what she's feeling. And if you do not feel what she's feeling, she will make sure you feel what she's feeling. But here's the thing. Women don't understand the power that they have over you to really make you feel. And you're like, I'm sure this is, I'm feeling more than what you're actually feeling. But they just don't have any gauge on that. So they just want you to feel it. And if you don't feel it, they're going to make sure you feel it. Why? Because it's two couples. It's blue versus pink. It's this adversarial. But you say, this is not helping me. I get it. That's why we're here, man. We're here because we're messed up. We're here because we fight. We're here because we argue. We're here because we're barely hanging by a thread. We're barely hanging on. And it's one of those things where we look into, into our bag and we're like, yeah, we're, we're barely hanging on. Scripture does talk about a thread. Scripture talks about the fact that in Ezekiel, it talks about a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so we come with our blue and our pink, and we're thinking, we can make this together. We can do it. But the problem is, you're missing the most intricate ingredient. Let me ask you a question. Verse number one, who told Hosea to go and love Gomer again? God. Hosea was not listening to his emotions he was not listening to, on to what he thought was right based on character. He was not going back to his wedding vows. He was not going back to, I promise this. What he's going back to is that God told him here. Do you know the missing ingredient this morning in most of our relationships or the problem with our relationships? The problem in our relationship is a relationship problem. You're like, no, duh. No, 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 no. Stop for just a second. Your relationship problem is a problem with a relationship but it's not the relationship with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with your spouse. Your problem is your relationship with God because you don't hear from him. Help me out, everybody who went through elementary school when you started mixing all the colors. 
you would mix the different colors and you could find out that you just took four basic colors. You could make every color you wanted. Help me out. If you know it, what color does blue and pink make? Just shout it out. Just shout it out. Purple. How many of you, purple's your favorite color? Anybody? We got a few in here, a few people that you love purple. Here's the thing. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, and let's put the verse up there so we could see it. Ecclesiastes chapter number five, verse number 12. It talks about this. And if someone might overpower another by himself, two together can withstand him, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. Your relationship, if it's just you, and if it's just her, or if it's just her and just him, you've got this. And you're like, I'm kind of tired of just this. So I'm going to introduce a powerful principle. It's called the power of purple. Touch your neighbor and say, there's power in purple. There's power in purple. You say, what do you mean? Because when you put the two together, you get a new color. The new color is purple. That's the color that blue and pink make together. Now, purple is an interesting color. You say, why is purple so interesting? It's because when the two come together, then you've got this new, this third color. But purple is the color of royalty. The Bible says that scripture, when they put a robe on Jesus, it was this color purple. It's a sign of royalty. It's a sign of uh, majesty. You see, the reason our relationships struggle is because we're missing the third chord. And the third chord is God. The third chord is Jesus. He's the one that holds this thing together. And so this morning, you want to make sure that your man is listening to God. You want to make sure your girl, your woman is listening to God. Because God will straighten them out. See, we're busy just trying to fix each other. We're busy just trying to go back to preferences. Like, hey, when I got in this relationship, I set down, this is my list. And maybe you went through that, hey, let's do prenuptials and let's just lay it out there. Let's just practice for divorce and let's just lay it out there. What are my uh, uh, lines of demarcation? Or you can say, you know what? We're going to get the power of purple in here and we're going to have God in here. And God is going to speak to my man. God is going to speak to my woman when she's getting off track. I don't need to do it. If she'll just listen to God, if I could just keep that relationship good, if I could just keep my relationship good, because I'll tell you this right now, Hosea did not feel like going and loving Gomer. Come on. He's a pastor in this little city of Samaria. Okay. So if he's the pastor in Samaria and everybody in the town knows about your wife, do you want to stay in that town? When some of your men are like, I know the pastor's wife way too well. And I'm just being blunt. I'm just being blunt. That's not a comfortable situation. So you're telling me that Hosea just like, oh, yeah, yeah, God, you want me to love her again? Not a problem, man. Let's do this. No, no. It was the fact that God stepped in and he said, you know what, God? Okay, this is not an easy thing, but I'll do it. And so, men, it's not going to always be easy to love her. And women, it's not going to always be easy to love him. But here's the fact. When you said, I do, you said, I will. Did you know that? When you said, I do, you said, I will. That's what love is. And that's the power of purple. When we have relationships that now say, hey, we're in tune with what God wants. We want to do what God wants us to do. All of a sudden, we not only have the power of purple, but there's the paradox of purple. You say, what's the paradox? Many times we think, well, if I'm always dying to my rights, I'm always doing what she wants or what he wants. And guess what? I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be fulfilled. When in actuality, the exact opposite happens. Exact opposite. I've blown it many times in my relationship. I I hope I'm honest. Uh, Years ago, it was probably about 2012, 2013, my wife came to me. She said, I'm leaving you. Just want to let you know that. I'm leaving you. And it was nothing that she had done. It was everything that I had done. And it was simply by the grace of God that she was engaging this power of purple that all of a sudden we've even made it to year nine. Because it's not... I'm German, like stubborn, 
She's Filipino, also a little bit stubborn. They can just kind of, don't get along, you know, Germans who try to take over the world twice, you know, just in us to just be very stubborn. And we just kind of won't get there and we both don't want to surrender ground at all. And so there's this this constant battling between the sexes, so to speak. And there was this blue fighting pink. But then all of a sudden I realized something. Wait a minute. She just wants the currency of empathy. And now I need to stop and take off my blue glasses, take out my blue hearing aids, take out my blue bullhorn, and say, you know what? I need to see, the way, see things the way she sees things. I need to hear things the way she hears things. I need to speak about things the way she speaks about things. It used to be she'd come up, she would try on an outfit, and she'd be like, does this outfit, and you know where this goes, guys. You're just like, I'm not saying nothing. Like, I just never wins. And I've noticed, it seems terrible, that you actually just agree with them, whatever they say. Just say it back, because they actually don't want the verbal affirmation. They just want to know that you feel what they feel. They're feelers. Why? Because a woman's nature is to nurture, all right? Since they have the nature to nurture, all of a sudden, they just want you to feel what they're feeling. Now, you go to Starbucks with a bunch of guys. We don't just all sit around and be like, oh, what are you feeling? How are you feeling today? You went at this construction job. Were the people nice to you? Oh, what did they say to you? Oh, he didn't bring you coffee, but he brought your friend coffee? Oh, I wonder what that means. When's the last time you guys have talked? Hmm, you should probably work this out. Something's probably going on. Okay, all right. What about their boots? Do they have nice boots? If you heard a guy doing this, you would just punch him. Or at least for me, punch him. Just, just hit him, all right? He probably didn't get beat up enough as a child, and so he needs a little bit more now, you know? But it's natural for women to sit around, and it's cathartic to just say, oh, you know, how's this? Tell me everything. Because why? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Men are like waffles. Everything's compartmentalized. Women are like spaghetti. Everything's connected. Here's what's amazing. Women never forget anything. You say, why? Because they take a memory and attach it to an emotion which really hardwires it. So that's why your woman, when you get an argument, she doesn't get hysterical. She gets historical. She can bring things up that you're like, when did that, was I there? I, I don't think that was me. And she's like, yeah, it was you. It, it was you. I will never forget that. Ever, ever. It'll, decades can go by, and you're like, she has not forgotten it. Wow, God, have mercy on my soul. You know, she's just not forgetting this. Why? Because women just, they take the memory and they attach to emotion because everything's connected. It really is. Now, we as men can just be like, oh, man, this is, this is nuts. I don't want to deal with that. But here's the beautiful thing, women, about men, is that we can compartmentalize things. And we have a couple boxes that are bigger than others. One box is a sex box, and that's a really big box. And there's no lid on it. It's, it's always good to go, all the time. You know, for women, it's all about the approach. For men, women just approach us. It's just not hard at all. You know, it's just it's real easy. And, and so that's one box. And there's another box, and that's our empty box. You say, what do you mean empty box? Men have a box where there's nothing in it. And you'll come downstairs and say to your man, what are you doing? Nothing. And you're like, you lazy bum. Like, nothing? Literally nothing? And it's just how men, we just, nothing. You know, we could just do nothing. Women do not ever, ever, ever have a nothing. Because why? Everything's connected. And so everything's attached to something else. And so that's why when you have a conversation about how did their day go, they will start from what they ate the night before, how it affected their sleep, and how it made it so they're more tired. And they'll just go through their entire day, and you're like, wow, it was more of a yes or no question. It was good, bad, you know, it's real simple. And, and for guys, we've got this compartmentalized where we just put it in a little box, put it in a little box. Here's the other side of that box. Here's the great thing. Men, we could take our fears, we could stuff it into a box, and we can charge into something 
And that's why you could see a fireman. That's why you can see a policeman. And women do this too. I'm not trying to be sexist. Don't think of sexist. But this way God designed men. That men can take their fears and their emotions and they can just stuff it into a box and go and do what has to be done. It's how God wired us. And it's beautiful in their own different unique ways. But unless you're saying, God, I got to engage this power of purple, you're never going to experience the paradox. You say, what is the paradox of purple? The paradox of purple is this, that you can pursue holiness in the relationship, wholeness, this, 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 we're together in this and still come out with happiness. The byproduct is when you engage purple, when you engage this, there is a byproduct that you will experience joy and happiness. The moments where you say, and try it this week, you say, you know what? Hey, hon, I want to take you out to coffee. I want to make sure everything's taken care of. And I just want to lock eyes and I'm just going to listen to you and let her bring things up and not get defensive about any of them. Even if you think she's cray cray, just let it all come out. And, and you know what will happen? Guys, you'll feel like you're watching an episode of This Is Us and, and all of a sudden you're going to get a little emotional and you're like, wow, I didn't know... She felt like that about that. I didn't, I didn't realize that at all. I didn't know that's how it made you feel. And all of a sudden, it opens this new level of intimacy. And that's ultimately what we're looking for. Few relationships that cheat on one another is it because of physical. Most of the time, it's this emotional intimacy that you're lacking, that you're starved for. And especially for women. Now, for, for men... Intimacy is the beginning of a good relationship. For women, it's the byproduct of a good relationship. And so we need to understand that. And that's what we're going to dive into next week. How his needs, her needs. And how it all works together. Because there's this paradox of purple that God wants us to engage it. So what we need this morning is more of a passion for purple. So let me ask you this question. How passionate are you about saying, you know what? I am here to make sure she has a great relationship. I'm here to make sure he has a great relationship. Because today, we live in a culture, New York Times article. A woman by the name of Tara Parker Pope, she said this. She said, the happy marriage is the me marriage. And we wonder why divorce is on the rise. Because when one spouse says it's all about pink or it's all about blue, it's not adversarial. But the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to love, I'm going to cherish, I'm going to respect this person, changes everything. There was a man, his name was E.V. Hill, young African-American pastor, and he was working very hard to make it. And just finances were really tight, very tight, very poor, then newly married. And so he came home one day to his new bride, and he noticed that the lights were off. And so, but he saw some candles lit on the table, and and he looked at that table, and he thought, "That is so beautiful." She's planned this romantic dinner, and she said, and he asked, "Why aren't the lights on?" And she just said, "You know, I just thought it'd be really special if we just had this romantic dinner, just the two of us with candle. I thought it'd be really special." He was like, "That sounds great. Let me go and wash my hands." So he went to wash his hands, and he went to flip on the light, and the light switch didn't turn on. Then he went to his room. The light switch didn't turn on. And then he knew what she was doing. He came back out and he said, honey, the lights aren't working. Tears started to fill her eyes. She said, I know you work so hard. I know you're really trying to make a good life for us. And I didn't want you to feel defeated or disrespected by me saying something like, Why aren't you giving me the life you promised? Why don't you make enough? Why don't you bring home the bread? How come the lights don't turn on? She said, instead, I thought I would take a very difficult moment. And I thought I would engage something really special and powerful and make it beautiful. 
Evie Hill shared that story at his wife's funeral. You say, Evie Hill, I've never heard of him. Well, you may have heard of his best friend, Martin Luther King Jr. Who, because Evie Hill had this amazing wife who was there to support him even at his low moments, he was able to support one of our nation's greatest human beings in the civil rights movement. Why? Because there was a woman that said, I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm going to breathe life into him. She decided, you know what? I can see with pink glasses, or I can take the pink glasses off and put on blue. And so I can see him, see he's trying, respect him, and say, you know what? He's not a bum. I didn't uh, marry the wrong person. Sin may have disfigured us, but God can reconfigure because God can do all things new. See, the resurrection seems like the worst day, but it's not the last day. And for you, wherever your marriage is at, wherever your relationship is at, you say, I'm just starting or I'm seeking or maybe you're at the surviving or maybe you're at the saving. Wherever it's at, understand that when you engage the power of purple, when you have a passion for purple, all of a sudden God steps in and great things happen. You see, Hosea simply said, I'm going to listen to God. And this morning, my prayer for you is that you would simply listen to God and let him speak into your relationship. And if men, if our, uh, if our heavenly father tells us we're being a jerk to that woman, Guess what? Remember, before she was your wife, she was God's daughter, a daughter of the king. She's royalty. She should be prized. She should be cherished. She should be protected. She's not a thing to just curse at, to yell at, scream at, and punch the drywall. That's not what she's there for, okay? We need to fix that. And ladies, he is not some bimbo, some sex craze animal. No, no. He is a child of the king. He is in the imago Dei, the image of God, and he has stamped upon him the image of God, and he is trying to be the right man of God. And so both of you pray for the other and say, I'm done trying to fix you. I'm done trying to change him and say, we're just engaged the power of purple. So this morning on your way out, I'm going to challenge you to do a simple little reminder. I'm going to challenge you. There's a little table and there's these little strands of purple. And I don't want you to just to wear it this week. So when the argument comes up, when the fight comes up, you just say, wait a minute, are we engaging the power of purple this morning? Are we thinking about what would God have us do? What would God want me to say to her? What would God want me to say to him? How would God want me to interact in this relationship? Even if you're dating, if you're dating and things are going where they shouldn't in the relationship, you say, wait a minute, hold on. We're going to get to the power of purple here. Where should this relationship be going? What does God want? And we will see marriages. We will see dating. We will see everything revolutionized. It's not new. It's not something brand new. It's something where we simply say, God has his idea. It's his relationship. If we listen to it, we'll see God do some incredible things. But if we don't, we're going to be another statistic because 40% of children are growing up in single parent homes today. And if you trace that, that leads to bigger and bigger and bigger problems. Or we can say, you know what? If Hosea can listen to God, and his situation was way worse than mine, this morning, that's my desire to listen to God. It's my desire to hear from God, to see what he would want me to do. Because God wants to put this thing back together. Here's the beautiful thing. Let me fast forward. We're going to stand and close. Hosea didn't just redeem her, which means to buy her back. He restored her. If you go to Hosea chapter number two, he said to his wife, do not call me Eshai. Or call me Eshai. Do not call me Baali. He said, well, I, I don't get it. Eshai means to call me husband. Baali means to call me master. 
You see why? What just happened? He bought her from a sex trafficking auction block. She is now property. He takes her home and he says, guess what? I may have bought you. You may have messed up. You may have got some dirt in your past, but I'm not going to drag you through the dirt. As a matter of fact, I'm not just going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. He restored her position. Even though she had tarnished her reputation, he said, I'm going to restore it. If you will love like that, you will see that your marriage will go to a new level. Because here's the reality. Your relationship is constantly changing. The person you married five years ago, 10 years ago, 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago is not the same person. It's not. They've changed. You've changed. You have different fears, different phobias, different hopes, different dreams. Everything's changed, even physically. There are things that are different. And you've got to say, you know what? Instead of wondering, did I marry the wrong person? I've got to say, wait a minute. I can redeem this relationship and I can restore it. But I'm going to need to engage the power of purple. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that we would be a group of people that understand that, God, you don't want our relationships to just be frustrating, to be painful and hurtful. You want these to be vibrant, to be awesome. You want people to have great marriages. You want them to have great sex. You want them to have great friendships. You want their relationship to thrive, where everybody else will look at their relationship and say, how in the world did you get that? Where you're going to have people wanting what you have. And so, God, I pray for these people in this room that we would engage the power of purple, that we would say, you know what? I'm done with the pink. I'm done with the blue. It's time to ask God what to do. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, I know that there are relationships here this morning that they feel like they're in survival mode, that they feel like they're just hanging on by a thread, and the thread they're hanging on in by is blue or it's pink. So this morning, maybe they find a new thread. May they find Jesus, that you can resurrect a dead life. You can resurrect a dead relationship. And so, Father, we cast our cares, we cast our hopes and our dreams on you as the only one who can change it. God, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. And so, Father, we pray bold prayers that you will save marriages, that you will restore relationships, that you will bring the right people together, that when everybody else looks at that relationship and says, dear God, I want that, and we point to you, that it's because of the power of purple. So this morning, may we engage it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I got to pray for you. I sense the spirit of the Lord is here. I sense that God is working in relationships. So if this is you this morning, you're saying, pastor, man, pray for me. Pray that I would engage the power purple. Pray that my relationship would go to a new level. It could be a teenager with a parent. It could be a dating couple. It could be a married couple. It could be an engaged couple. It could be a single person saying, you know what? I need this with my parents. I need it with my coworkers. Pray for me that I would engage the power of purple. Is that you just slip up your hand and hold it unashamed. Just say, you know what? That's me. Amen. Amen. God is working. Amen. I see those hands going up. But here's the thing. Let me go back to this. One last thing. I don't want you to leave without getting this. Your relationship problem is a relationship problem but it's a relationship problem if with Jesus do you know him this morning are you here and you're like I'm on the fence I don't know Jesus and I'm telling you you're going to go through relationship just struggle but you say I want to I want to know Jesus you say this morning I want to give my life to him I want to receive him we call it being born again getting saved asking Jesus in our heart is that you would you slip up your hand and say today I want to receive him is that you is there anybody in here? You slip up your hand. Nobody's looking. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Don't be ashamed. I see that hand. Praise God. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody else is quiet, but we're excited for you. This is a new day in your life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are going to become new today. You're going to see hope in your relationships. Pray this simple prayer if you would, those that raise your hand. I'm going to pray it out loud. You pray it quietly. Say, dear God, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you that the power of purple can transform lives. And so, Father, I ask you to come into my life. 
I ask you to wash me clean and make me new. I pray that you would do a work that I can't do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus into your heart, can we celebrate with you? Can you lift up your hands? Let us know that you prayed the prayers at you. Amen. Let's celebrate, church. People giving their lives to Christ. That's what it's all about. Let's sing and let's hear from God.